Hey, this is Rich Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of VU Church in Miami, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. First uh, Corinthians chapter two, First Corinthians chapter two. Uh, today we are continuing a collection of talks I started last week called Talking to Jesus. This is a collection on prayer because we are entering into 21 days of prayer and fasting. Prayer is really just talking to Jesus. And the Lord gave me a word today for our house that I think is gonna help you. And so if you're taking notes today, get your notepad ready, get your Bibles ready. First Corinthians chapter one, verse two says this. It says, however, as it is written, no eye has seen and no ear has heard. I love this one. And no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what God has prepared for those who love him. I wanna to talk today, part two of our collection, Talking to Jesus. Get ready, here's my, here's my title, let me, let me explain. I wanna, I wanna preach on the subject, turn off your brain. <laughs> turn off your brain. <laughs> Have you ever had one of those moments in your life where you said, uh, where did my brain go? Come on, be honest. I know this is like the intellectual crowd, the first, but anyone just, where'd my brain go? Where'd my brain go? Um, uh, about six weeks ago, I had um, a terrible experience take place. And I just, I think I should share it with you. It's, it's a slight confession, but it's also just therapy as I share it with you. Um, I was swimming with my, with my kids in the pool and um, I, I got out of the pool because um, we have some furniture by our pool, this, you know, pool furniture, it's got cushions and whatnot. And, and I noticed that like one of my cushions was like waterlogged from all of the rain. So, so I got out of the pool and I went over to the couch and I wanted to help kind of just drain the cushion. And so as I went over, I just put my, my leg on the cushion and I squeezed out the water. I mean, I'm telling you, it's, it's that quick. I just squeeze it out. And when I pull my leg off the cushion, I don't know, but it's, it feels like something began to sting, like, like, like instantly. Like, I'm like, what was, you know, I cushion and then sting. I'm like, cushion, sting. And I'm like, okay, but I'm a man, you know, so I just jump back in the pool. I'm like, I'm good, you know? But like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't stop kind of stinging. And so then I, I, I kind of got out of the water and I, I looked at, I have like two little red marks, but I don't, I don't know what these little red marks are, but it's like, it's like I'm like, you know, I'm kind of like, just like, you know, you, you ever like have something stinging so you hit other parts of your body, like to try to, I'm like, but it's still stinging. And so the, the sting begins to like spread. I, I'm just, this is my experience. It's like, it's now going up my thigh. Um, it's now, my, my body's now aching. I'm now, of course, looking for my wife complaining like, babe, something's happening. The, the problem is it, it's, it's roughly like 6 p.m. in the evening and we have some friends coming over from out of town and we're hosting a dinner party that begins at 6.30. I know, I swim to the last minute, okay? And so they're headed over. Don, she's like got a meal prepared and they're gonna sit with us. And these are some friends of ours that we really care about. And so they're headed to the house and I'm getting out of the pool. And now my like body, like I'm just being honest with you, it's in a full ache. I have no idea what was in that cushion to this day, but it's like, oh my goodness, like my legs stinging, my body's aching. Now I'm kind of like slightly freaking out. It's 6.10, people are headed to the house in 20 minutes. I'm in a full on reaction. I'm like, babe, what's going on? And she goes, let me call the doctor. So now I've run into our shower. I'm scrubbing my body. You know, I'm like, get off me. I'm, I'm, I'm pleading the blood of Jesus. Like, Lord, whatever it is, 
take it from me, you know? I'm like, did I catch another plague? Like, what, what else is out here? Like, I don't know what this is. And Don Cherie, she calls the doctor and the doctor says, have him take Benadryl. And so I said, okay, well, get me. I'm, I'm literally, I'm in the shower. Like, have, like get, get the Benadryl, you know? Like, get the Benadryl. Well, Don Cherie, she, she comes back in the room and she goes, Rich, we don't have any adult Benadryl. All we have is kids Benadryl. I was like, it's fine. Give it to me. This is where I made a mistake. She passes me the Benadryl. I'm in the shower. I take the Benadryl. I don't know what came over me. I was so concerned with my body that I popped the bottle of Benadryl and I knocked this back like it was spring break 1989. I, I drank half the bottle of Benadryl. I didn't even think anything of it. I was like, I'm good. I, I got to get rid of this reaction. We got a dinner party happening. Fast forward one hour. These lovely people are in my house. Pastor Rich, what's the Lord been speaking to you? Uh, when I tell you, I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember anything from the night. I was so high on Benadryl somewhere in the night, I just excused myself. I don't know what my wife said. She just said, he, he, he was, he was drinking. He's got a Benadryl problem. He's got a Benadryl problem. Pray for your pastor. It was this moment. The next day, Don Shree's like, what, what on earth? Why would you drink all that Benadryl? I said, babe, I don't know. I, I, I lost my brain for a moment. I was in so much pain. My, my brain was, was turned off. It was one of these moments where I look back, I'm like, what was I, what was I doing? Um, I turned my brain off. I really believe that all of us, we can go through different situations in our life where we, we turned our brain off and we made a, a poor decision or we did something out of character. And I wanna make sure that I'm, I'm establishing up front that I believe we're to connect with God with our mind. I, I believe that we're to study God intellectually. In fact, I think that we have like a real epidemic on our hands right now in the church where there's such a level of biblical illiteracy. People don't even know God's word. I think so many of us, we have a theological problem, the way that we study God, the way that we know God. Until I know God, I won't know myself. And until I, don't, until I know God, I know myself. I won't see the world correctly. It all connects. I believe this wholeheartedly. I believe that we are to connect and worship God with our mind. Yet I wonder today, as we come around today's message, I wonder today how many of us in this room, more often than not, our faith and our prayer life is stifled because of our mind. I wonder how many times we are prevented with connecting with Jesus because so often we get lost here in our mind, our brain is working and we begin to conceptualize and we begin to have these ideas and we get lost in our thoughts. Here's what I know. I know we gotta worship God with our mind, but I also believe at times we must remember that faith truly begins where understanding ends. And I wonder how many of us in this room we stop connecting with Jesus. We stop talking to Jesus because something gets logged in our brain and we have these questions. Oh man, did, did God really speak that to me? How many times have you come to church and you experienced God? But then by Wednesday, you're like, I don't know if that was real, yo. I think there's a lot of us even here today right now that we've got all these questions that hit our brain and, and, and it prevents us from walking in faith. How is he gonna do it? When's he gonna do it? Where is he gonna do it? Will he ever do it? 
does, does he really expect me to obey him all the time? What's going on is that we're getting trapped in our brain. Our brain is stifling and stopping our faith. And the reality of it is, is that prayer was never supposed to be just a mind exercise. Prayer is a soul exercise. No matter what you want to say today, the reality of it is, is at some point, we in our brain is finite to understand an infinite God. Our, our brain can't keep up with how big and how large he is. So at some point, my understanding ends and that's where faith kicks in. And so I might not be able to understand everything about God, but I do have the opportunity to experience God. I love what David said, better is one day in your house, meaning better is one day in your presence than a thousand elsewhere. We have the opportunity through prayer to connect to God's presence. But we're gonna have to understand that if we wanna connect on a soul level, we have to turn off our brain at times. I really think there's a lot of us that when we pray, it becomes simply a mind exercise. And so we get these ideas about God, these concepts about God, but there's a whole lot of people today that their mind is thinking all about God, but their heart is far from God. And your heart is the real you. It's what Solomon said. He said, above all else, guard the heart for it's the wellspring of life. And prayer is the opportunity to connect heart to heart. I love this quote by Theophan the recluse. He was a Russian mystic. He's, he's a saint in the Russian Orthodox Church, but I, I love what he says. He says, to pray is to descend with the mind into the heart and there to stand before the face of the Lord, ever present, all seen within you. Meaning that when I pray, it's my mind sinking deep into my heart. And literally, as I begin to pray, my brain is turning off and now my heart is connecting to Jesus. That we're actually communicating, not just mind to mind, but we're communicating on a soul level. And today we're talking about this idea of praying from a heart. And so when you pray from your heart, it turns off the brain and releases the soul. When I pray from my heart, it turns off the brain and it releases my soul. And so maybe you're here today and going, Rich, okay, this is all kind of like big language. Okay, I understand it. I, I do want to connect with God intellectually, but then there's times that I want to connect with God intimately. And the way that I do that is that I've got I've to turn off my brain. I've got to pray from my heart. I gotta, then it will release my soul. How on earth do I actually do that? Because we can get lost in these ideas and concepts and quotes. And I want to be very, very practical today because... This is something that I have been putting into practice the last few years. It's something that I'm really, really passionate about. And I wanna just give you three simple prayers that you can pray that I believe are, are, are prayers from the heart. That when you begin to do this, practically what happens is, is that I think your brain gets turned off and you start to connect with God and you step into his presence. You're not just thinking about God. There's something deeper taking place. You're connecting with God soul to soul and you're in his presence. So just write these down. These are simple. The first one is what I would call a simple praying. Just simple. Everyone say simple. We need to learn this, that so many of us, when we think about the word prayer, talking to Jesus, I don't know what it is, but has anyone ever like called upon you to pray publicly? For some reason, your knee-jerk reaction is, I need to be impressive. All right, I need to say something impressive. 
This is why people, that when they pray publicly, they take on new accents. <laughs> they, they have antics. Ooh, you know, like, like there's all this, and I'm not even trying to mock or make fun of you. You can pray however you want, but I think sometimes our heart is in the wrong place because our heart is to impress those around us instead of actually trying to connect with Jesus. It's like one of my favorite, yeah, one of my favorite things to do. And if you've been around our church, you'll see me do it all the time. I love getting new Christians to pray. Why, Rich? Because nobody taught them how to pray. And hey, you call, hey, hey, John, you're up. You're in a huddle. Me? You know, me? Yeah, you, bro. I don't know. You're perfect. Really? Yeah. You can do this, by the way, like have dinner with friends. And like, if you've got other believers there, it's like, hey, why don't you pray for the meal? It's like, well, me? Yeah, you. I remember this one guy, he was praying. And he's like, you know, what up, Jesus? Oh, just, a, just well, I just want to say, uh, this is super cool that like, we're all here with you. So thank you gonna be an awesome day that's it he looks up he's like I'm like everyone's like that's it he's like that's it I'm like that's awesome like that's it like that amen we agree that's it <laughs> just it, there's something really simple and beautiful about it it's actually like from the heart and this isn't like my own idea this is like literally the words of Jesus when he teaches us next week we're going to look about how Jesus teaches us to pray like meaning you can talk to Jesus about how to pray. This is why I just want to keep breaking this down. Like, I don't know how to pray. Ask Jesus how. Like, he'll teach you. But look at what Jesus says, Matthew chapter six. And when you pray, watch this. Do not keep on babbling like the pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before, before you ask him. Like before you even make your request, Jesus is like, I already know. Maybe you don't need to spend all your time in your prayer life just asking for stuff. Maybe you can start spending more of your prayer time just connecting with him. Just, just connecting with him. It's, it's not about impressive words. Some of us just need to get back to just simple prayers. Just simple. Like, I'm just gonna make this simple. It's gonna come from my heart. Look at what James, the brother of Jesus says. This is one of my favorite Bible verses. Chapter five, verse 16. I'm gonna give you a lot of verses today, but... The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Now, if you don't have good theology and you haven't studied what we believe, you can read that first verse and say, oh, effective prayers come from people that do good all the time because that's my definition of righteous. But if you actually know the gospel, you would know that righteousness is not something that we earn. Righteousness is something that we receive. How do we receive it? By putting our faith in Jesus, meaning... If I trust and believe in Jesus, if I've repented from my sins and now I've hidden myself in Christ, I am declared righteous in God's sight. Meaning anyone who's a follower of Jesus is the righteous man. So any one of us Christians, when we pray, our prayers are powerful and effective. Then James, the brother of Jesus, gives a case study. 
He gives you a guy that some of you, if you know your Bible, you know him. He's a prophet. His name's Elijah. Elijah was a man just like us, one of my other favorite verses in the Bible, because I always think Elijah is so impressive. It did all these cool things. But Elijah happens to be a guy just like you and just like me. He's just, he's just a man, okay? He's just, he's not Jesus. He's just a man. Elijah was just a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. So James is giving you a point. He says, the prayers of a righteous man are effective and they availeth much. And then he gives the case study. He's like, Elijah, remember Elijah? He prayed earnestly and God stopped the rains from the heavens for three years. And then when he prayed again, he opened up the rains. I've always read that verse and I'm like, I want to pray like that. That's gotta be big. That's gotta be, oh God, I come before you. Like, like, did you ever grow up in church and you hear that term like a prayer warrior? How many out there you wanna be a prayer warrior? Where are you at? Where's all the prayer warrior? Okay, 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 cool, awesome. Me too, I wanna be a prayer warrior too. But sometimes the ideas of being a prayer warrior, it's just already, it already the title's already impressive. It already seems like a select group, prayer warriors. Elijah's a prayer warrior. Have you ever looked at Elijah's prayer? Let's just look at Elijah's prayer. I want to show you the prayer warrior's prayer that held back the rain and then opened up the rains. This is 1 Kings chapter 18. Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me. Look at this. I want you to see this because this is important. This is really, really simple. One of the things that he does is he says, answer me, Lord, answer me. This is a very, very simple prayer. And one of the things that we even see that he does is what I call the prayer of repetition. Answer me, Lord, answer me. It's very, very simple. The point that I'm trying to get you to see is that this epic, awesome, magnificent thing took place in Elijah's life, but it didn't come from some impressive prayer. It came from a simple prayer. Why? Because it's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. This is what simple praying is all about. Not about quantity, but about quality. And one of the things that I believe, and one of the ways I practice this, and I just wanna encourage our church to start to do this, is I believe in repetitive prayers. I just believe in repetitive prayers. Like one of my repetitive prayers is help me, Holy Spirit. Like I go throughout my day, help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Learn to be a person who says, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just, it's, it's, it's repeating something. And you say, Rich, why is this important? It's important because when I start just to repeat prayers at times, what happens is I turn off my brain and I stop thinking so much about my words and it lets me sink deep down into my heart. And believe it or not, my soul is released. And before you know it, I'm not just having a mental exercise trying to discover God. I'm actually connecting with God on a much, much deeper level. I just think there's people in this room right now that your prayer life has been stifled and maybe it's because you are bound to be a prayer warrior and you think you have to be impressive. Because right now, I just, I know people, like I know, and I know church people and I love our church, but I know church people. Some of you right now are like, oh my goodness, this is so basic and this is so easy and rich. Come on, man. Repetitive prayers, that's superficial. That's shallow, rich, repetitive prayers. Come on, that's not sophisticated. You're right. It might not be sophisticated, but it is supernatural. How do I know? Well, get ready. Guess what's happening in heaven right now? Do they pray in heaven? Well, 
kind of. Revelation chapter four, verse eight, John the Revelator, he got a glimpse of heaven. And when he got a glimpse of heaven, guess what they were doing? Look at this, day and night. Someone say day and night. They never cease to say, talking to God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. They say it once and then they say it again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. They say it twice, then they say it third time. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And guess what, friends? They don't stop after three times or four times. They just keep repeating this until the day we are all joined with them. It is a supernatural prayer to repeat something simple. Simple, but it's supernatural. We're talking today about stepping into faith and praying from our heart. How do I do it? Start with some simple prayers. Maybe just add some repetitive prayers. Not babbling, just, hey, I just want my heart to connect. I want my heart to connect. I want to get out of my mind. I want my heart to connect. No eyes, see, no ears. No mind can conceive what God has in store. I can't even conceive what he's planned for me. So I connect with them with my heart. Number one is simple. Number two, I want you to write this down. This is just really, really practical. Number two is just continual prayers. Everyone say continual. Continual. One of the things that I learned from my father-in-law, who is um, one of my just earthly heroes, as well as like one of my, my like, like, like he's a hero in the faith as well. He pastors a great church in Shreveport, Louisiana. And I've been hanging around the Duran family since I was 17 years of age. And I can't remember a day that my father-in-law didn't do this. But at first, it kind of used to startle me. I would be driving with my father-in-law in in the car and he would be in the car and the whole time, like under his breath, he's kind of like, kind of like mumbling slash like, like he's praying. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yes, bless God, bless God, bless God. Oh, hallelujah, bless God. Thank you, Jesus. And when I was younger, I would just sit there like real quiet, you know, like what's going on? (laughs) and finally, after I married Dontree, I thought I was secure in the family enough to begin to, begin to ask some serious questions. One day I was in the car with him and he's just driving. Oh. And, and I always noticed too, it was always when he had something like heavy on his mind or maybe he was problem solving. One day we get in the car and he's, oh, thank, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, God, thank you, God. And he's looking around, he's just driving. And I finally said, hey, hey dad, which I was kind of nervous. Do I even call him that? Hey, dad, you know? Um, he's like, you're not my son. No, I'm kidding. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> I'm like, hey, dad. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, I go, what's going on? He goes, what do you mean? I go, is, is there something, is something wrong? He goes, what are you talking about? I go, well, you're, you're, you're like praying, like kind of intensely in the car. He said, I was? I, I said, yeah, like, yeah, it was, an, it was kind of intense too, to be honest with you. He said, I, I had no idea. He has taught himself to pray subconsciously. He has taught himself to be in a state of continual prayer. It's called an RPF, resting prayer face. Now, some of y'all, that's not your default. But wouldn't you love it? that when you had something heavy come over you, when you're trying to solve something, 
just out of your mouth, you just start to say, bless God, thank you, Jesus. Help me, Holy Spirit. What if you got to a place that your resting state was continual prayer? Once again, I'm not just like giving you some idea. This is like what the scriptures ask us to do. First Thessalonians, this is what Paul says. Look at this, chapter five, verse 16. Great verse to memorize, great verse. If you're looking for something to get tattooed on your arm, here you go, there's a good one, okay? This is a good one. Like some, you know, Jesus wept. I don't know, but you know, this is a good one. Judas hung himself. No, bro. Like I just, there's other ones. Okay. (laughs) Chapter five, verse 16. Be joyful always. Look at this. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pray continually. Paul will talk about this idea of unceasing prayer that does not cease, that does not stop. I love what the great revivalist Smith Wigglesworth said. He said it this way. He says, I don't often spend more than half an hour in prayer, but I never go more than a half an hour without praying. It's a heart and a spirit for continual prayer that my default my subconscious is giving God glory, that I'm, I'm praying constantly and continually. What is this doing? This is my brain is off, but I'm praying. <laughs> my heart is crying out. My heart is stepping into God's presence. I'm not just waiting to get into God's presence on Sunday. No, as I head into work, I take his presence with me. Wherever I go, he, he, he's with me. This idea of, of continual prayer, was something that the desert monks, it's an interesting group that you can study in church history. Around the fifth century, there was a group of men that after the persecution had ceased on the church that they, they, they so longed to actually still suffer for God that they, they went out and lived a life of solitude out in the Egyptian desert and their writings are profound and amazing. But someone was asked there at one point, like, you know, how do you, how do you obey this command of praying without ceasing? And one of the monks came back with this answer that, I can pray without ceasing because of charity. And what he was suggesting was that as he serves his fellow man, as he serves other believers, that as he serves them, that they pray for him while he's serving them. Uh, When I grew up in church, we used to have these things um, where we would take like two days, like it'd be 21 days of prayer and fasting. And then the church that I grew up in, it wasn't like, we're just gonna have two prayer meetings. Instead, they wanted to account for every hour of the day for the next 21 days that somebody from the church was praying. And so there would go up, like a list that would go around. It's like, I'll take the 4 a.m. slot, you know? And someone's like, I'll take the 12 a.m. slot. And we're not, gonna, we're not gonna do that at our church. However, I'd love for you to wake up at three in the morning and, and pray for your church. But what I like the idea is, is what the desert monks understood and what I want us to understand at church is the one of the practical ways that we can continually pray is that when we do life in community. Like, like, like this is like the power of a crew. Like don't just, don't just relegate it to fellowship. Understand that as you get into a small group with 10 to 15 other people, what you're doing is you're sharing your needs with them and that while you're at work, maybe you're not able to pray every moment, but you can trust that out of the group of 15, somebody has your request on their lips and in their heart. I'm telling you, you can pray continually because of the power of community. But I think sometimes we, we, we read the scripture and we get nervous, especially some of these that are like really type A and maybe even have a bent towards legalism. It's like, I've got to pray without ceasing. How can I, how can I literally do that? Someone asked the question, when Paul says pray constantly, does he mean that literally or figuratively? And I think the answer is, is both. I really do. I think, I think it's both. 
I think figuratively the spirit is, is that I want my default to be prayer. Prayer is not my last resort. It's my first response. I wanna do life in community. I wanna share my life with others. I want to understand that as I'm serving you and as I'm meeting your needs, that you're praying for me and, and vice versa. But I also think like, like literally, we must understand that if we are believers in Jesus, we understand that everything we have is a gift from him. And every gift that he gives us, how many know that we surrender it back to him and we give him glory with it? Like if you're a believer in Jesus, how many know that you understand that every breath that you take is a gift from God? Meaning every breath that comes out of my mouth, I'm giving glory to God. You know what's powerful? Is that God, his name is, is, is Yahweh. You remember the story in Exodus when Moses is talking to the burning bush and Moses is like, well, who do I say sent me? And this is one of the first times in the Old Testament where God says, well, tell him I am sent you. I am who I am. And this is the name of God. God is Yahweh. But when you look at the word Yahweh in Hebrew, um, they, just, they, just, they just look at the consonants, which is Y-H-W-H. And when you, when you look at it, Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, those that were like fundamental Jews that like really, really believed it, many would say they wouldn't even say this word out loud because like Yahweh is like, like that's the name of God. Like he's, he's so big and it's so sacred that you can just see the letters. Obviously it would be Hebrew letters, but this is our best, you know, interpretation of the Hebrew letters, Y-H-W-H. But what's amazing is that when you, when you pronounce Yahweh in Hebrew, it would be yo hey va hey, And the idea is, is that when you would say it, it would be exhale, inhale, exhale, inhale. yo hey va hey yo hey yo va It's the exhale, inhale, exhale, Inhale, meaning that when you were just breathing, you were announcing the name of God. And so they would say, does life begin the moment you take your first breath? Or does life begin the moment you say the name of God? Does life end when you breathe your last breath? Or does life end the moment you stop saying the name of God. And what an idea, like, right? When we look at the Old Testament, like how did God create? Like he breathed into some dirt. <sighs> and Adam was formed. The breath of God filled our lungs. I love what Louis Giglio says. He says it this way. He says, worship is giving God his breath back. That's what we're doing. So this idea of continual prayer, if you're in Jesus, you understand that every breath that you take. <sighs> Yahweh, 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 Yahweh. I'm saying the name of God, even when you don't hear the name of God, my life is a living sacrifice. This is why Paul, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, he says, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Meaning everything that I'm doing as a believer, whether I'm eating or drinking, whether I'm at work or whether I'm here at church, it is all an act of worship. It is all about me turning my brain off and my heart connecting with a living, breathing God. 
So we're talking today about, this is really practical, but I just want to help you talk to Jesus. I think we like come up with all these like concepts. It's just, it's actually more normal and more natural than you think. It's actually about not informing him, but, but inviting him. Simple, just simple. Maybe, maybe just repeating this way. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know what that is. Help me, Holy Spirit. Maybe it's just continual. Yo, my, my, my resting prayer face. Bless God. I want my deep, my subconscious. I want, I want to recognize every breath that I take. It's a gift and I surrender it to him. Simple, continual. And then, and then lastly, this is just really good stuff. Just spirit-led. That our prayers would be spirit-led. Um, 1 Corinthians 12 helps us understand that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, has gifts for the believers. These gifts, these Holy Spirit gifts are not so that we can walk around being impressive once again. They're actually given to us that we might build up and equip the body of believers. And maybe you grew up in church where um, they taught you about the gifts. Maybe you grew up in church and no one taught you about the gifts of the Spirit. I, I think if we're not careful, we, we think these things like make us really elite. They don't make you really elite. They, they make you a better servant. Maybe you've never heard about the gifts. There's, there's nine that's listed out. I'm gonna share them with you. But like, if you're here today, I just wanna let you know that at Voo Church, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe in a God that, that's, that's active and moving. We believe the God that, that healed back then can, can heal right now today. We believe that God, he, he never changed. The God who was and is, watch this, and is to come. That's what Revelation has been saying and repeating. And so we just join with the chorus of heaven and we agree, even when we don't see it, we still believe it. Even when we don't understand it, we keep trusting him because that's where our faith actually begins. And maybe you're like, well, I'd like some of the gifts of the Spirit. It, it, that's simple. This is, this is, how do you get them? According to the text, you have to believe in the gifts. Like you have to believe in Jesus. Hey, I, I believe. I repent. I believe. I believe the gifts are still active. But then the scripture says you have to desire the gifts. You have to desire. Very rarely will God give you that which you don't ask for. He, he loves to give you what you ask for. So Lord, if it's your will that I would have one of these gifts, let, let, I'd love to receive it. I believe it. I'd love to receive it. There's nine different gifts. There's different parts of the Bible that, that lay these out, but, but here's how Corinthians lays them out. There's the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, the gift of prophecy, the gift of discerning of spirits, speaking in tongues, um, the interpretation of tongues, each one of these gifts, I, I think, are, are, are beautiful. And it's not like you can only just get one. You can just, God's a gracious God and he, he exceeds your expectations. Just desire, just Lord, hey, Lord, I'd love to, can I have the gift of faith? Lord, give me the gift of faith in the season that I'm in. Lord, give me the gift of wisdom. Wisdom is more than knowledge, right? Wisdom is like the ability to apply the knowledge. <laughs> the gift of miracles. Like I, I just, I'm gonna keep believing for miracles. I think we're, we're launching a city location next week. That's a miracle to me. It's, it's just a miracle that, that somehow we were able to purchase a building, purchase two buildings in a pandemic. What? Like, do you know what's happening across the board with the church in America? People are, are struggling and somehow God's given us this opportunity. These are miracles. But one of these gifts that, I'm, that I practice in my life, and you don't have to practice it, but, but you sure can if you want to, is the gift of speaking in tongues. And we could do a whole teaching on speaking in tongues, but... What I love is, is that sometimes we read things in the Bible and it's like, that's really spooky and that, that's really, really weird. It's always amazing to me how anything that we see in the Bible so often, it will be backed up with science. So speaking in tongues is this 
ability to speak in a language that I do not understand. In fact, that's why there's another gift given the interpretation of tongues because it doesn't benefit any of us for us to stand up in the room right now and just go off in tongues and then sit down. We're all like, that guy's, maybe you go, that guy's really impressive or you go, that guy's really weird. It it doesn't help the church. That's why there needs to be an interpretation of the tongue when it's given publicly. But in my personal life, I speak in tongues like, that's, I'm just in worship, I'm in tongues. If you ever get next to me in worship and you're like new to church, you're like, maybe you used to like me and they're like, this guy's crazy, okay? Like, because it's this gift that's been given me. But here's what's, here's what's so cool. I read a study, I think the study was done in 2006 by the University of Pennsylvania. If you can believe it, they like literally studied these five different people that would speak in tongues. That's a crazy way that they did it. They, they filled them up with like, I guess where they would have watched the brain waves. It's a crazy deal. But you know what happened? Something shifted when they started to speak in tongues, aside from just praying and worshiping. What they saw is they saw that the frontal lobe of the brain began to diminish in its activity. The frontal lobe of the brain is the place of the brain where you believe you're in control. It, it's, it's your safety, it, like it kind of puts you into control. What I love is, is that when we start speaking in tongues, I'm literally surrendering my brain over to God. And I'm literally turning off my brain once again and I'm opening up my soul. And rather than get totally freaked out about it, like just hear how Paul writes about it in Romans chapter eight, because I think this will encourage you today. Romans chapter eight. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, there he is. Since God. The moment we get tired in the waiting, God's spirit is right alongside us, helping us along. Watch this. And if, if we don't know how or, or what to pray, doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs. Our aching groans, oh. He knows us for better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Something good that when I don't even have the words, when my prayers are spirit-led, even my sighs and my groans, they're doing work for me. The spirit is leading me. He's gifted me and given me gifts to, to help me through this season that I'm in. And maybe you're here today and you're like, okay, but how do, I, how do I know if it's the Holy Spirit? Well, it's really, really easy. Because just because you get a gift from the Spirit, well, that's nice, but, but the sign of the Spirit is not some external thing taking place, it's an internal thing that happens. The sign of the Spirit is what we call the fruit of the Spirit. And for those nine gifts, there's also nine fruit. What are the nine fruit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Watch this. Some of you, you're gonna walk out of here. Tomorrow, you're gonna go to your job. And the boss that you got right now, yo, is annoying you. But you're gonna walk out of your job on Monday and go, help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. And watch what's gonna happen. I don't know if Tuesday you'll get a new boss. 
but something tells me on Tuesday, you're gonna have some new patience. Some of you right now, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's a marriage that is, is, is going south and, 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 and your loved one is, is being harsh and, and you're, trying to, you're trying to figure out how on earth am I gonna get through this trying time? Maybe they betrayed you. Maybe, maybe they even left you. And so you're gonna walk out here to go, help me, Holy Spirit. And I don't know if your spouse will turn around. I don't know if your spouse will all of a sudden magically get better. But what I do believe is that as you say, help me, Holy Spirit, maybe your spouse won't turn around, but maybe the fruit of peace will show up in your life. And from the inside out, you will have a stillness. You'll have a calmness. Maybe, maybe you've got a dream that has been so delayed and you're just going, man, it's, it's never gonna happen. And you're just gonna pray today, help me, Holy Spirit. And I don't know if tomorrow the dream comes to fruition. What I do believe is that all of a sudden the fruit of the Spirit, which is faithfulness, will come upon your life. And you're gonna say, you know what? I got another week in me. I got another two weeks in me. I'm not gonna back down. I'm, I'm not gonna quit. Maybe you're watching right now online and you just got an awful report from the doctor and it's cancer. I don't know how that cancer report is gonna leave. We're gonna pray the prayer of faith. We're gonna use the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna believe that he can heal, that miracles can happen. But maybe, just maybe, you don't get healed. Maybe, just maybe, it doesn't turn around. But I believe that somehow, even as you're weeping, the fruit of the Spirit will show up in your life and he will give you joy. That in the morning light, he's gonna give you joy. Weeping endures for the night, but, but joy, it comes in the morning light. I've got this supernatural joy. So I turn off my brain and I let my mind sink down into my heart. And I'm reminded that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But verse 10, but, everyone say but. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. No ear is heard, no eye is seen, and no mind conceive, can conceive. I can't understand God, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. That the paracletos of God, the one who walks with me, reveals day by day what it is that God is doing in my life, that he is close to me, that every breath that I take, it is giving honor to him, that I am surrendering it. It's all for his glory. So I'm gonna turn my brain off today and I'm gonna open up my soul and I'm gonna allow the God of the heavens and the universe to meet me right where I am. Come on, if you believe it, somebody put your hands together. Come on, somebody give God a shout of praise. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.